Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. If you have a Bible, open it with me to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. As you're turning there, I'm sure that there has been a time where you have been maybe at a movie theater or something like that with, with loved ones or with a friend, and the way that the movie ends, you can just tell and you say to the person with you, there's going to be another one, right? Have you ever said that? Like you've, you've, you've seen the movie, there's some kind of cliffhanger, there's some kind of part of the story that makes you go, this story's not over yet, there's going to be another one. The, uh, the Marvel movies, you familiar, familiar with what I'm talking about there? The Marvel movies, superheroes and all that? Raise your hand if you like the Marvel movies. Okay, a few of you, like five of you, that's cool. It's one of the most popular movie things in our culture and world today, but that's cool. You know what, I'm not really a big fan of the Marvel stuff either. I've, I made it through about four of the movies and then just had to give up on them because there's like 482 of them and uh, it gets a little deep. But Marvel has, has perfected this craft of storytelling where they will continue the story. And um, they've really kind of pioneered the way on, on, on doing this thing where they will have a special scene that, that takes place after the credits roll. Like if you go see a Marvel movie, you know when the credits start to roll, you don't go anywhere, right? You gotta stay and you gotta, you gotta watch and see because there's gonna be some kind of special scene that lets you know this is where the story's headed next. The first one they did, I think, was in the Avengers movie in 2008. And there was this scene that happened after the credits where a guy named Nick Fury, he's the Samuel L. Jackson character, he shows up in Tony Stark's mansion and that was supposed to let us know that there's an Avengers movie that's coming, right? And uh, you know, all the superhero nerds were like, whoa, you know, and I was like, what just happened? You know, what does that mean? Who is that guy? And then uh, 2012, they had the Avengers movie, the first one, and at the end of that one in the post credit scene, there was uh, this cut to this guy named Thanos. And of course, all the superhero nerds were like, whoa, and I was like, who's that, you know? And so that's really where I gave up on the Marvel movies because it's it just it's too much, you know? Gave up after, after that one. But what Marvel has taught us, maybe better than anybody, is, is this, this idea that the end is not the end. The end is not the end. And that's the idea, or that's the, the phrase, that's the thinking that I wanna lay before us this morning as we're gonna look at the last chapter of Mark and just consider this kind of from all angles. What does it mean that the end is not the end? All right. So in Mark chapter 16, let me set the stage for us a little bit. You know, we started this series 13 weeks ago, and in Mark chapter 1, verse 1, Mark lets us know uh, his purpose in writing this book to us. And that, that verse says, this is the beginning of the gospel or of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So Mark says, this is the beginning of the story. Right? And then he goes on to tell us this story. And we've watched how Jesus began his ministry. In chapter one, we saw his baptism and he, he immediately goes out into the wilderness. We talked all about that. We saw Jesus um, you know, doing miracles, healing people. We saw him teaching and doing different things like that. Um, recently, we've looked at the last week of Jesus's earthly life and the passion of Jesus and, and how he rides in on a donkey and goes straight to the temple and starts turning over tables and he curses the fig tree and all that, remember? Um, then he goes to the garden and he prays. 
He was in a a lot of uh, anguish in this moment. He's sweating blood and he's praying, Lord, if it's possible, take this cup from me. And then last week we saw Jesus on the cross and we talked about his crucifixion and everything that that means for us. That in that moment, Jesus took on or he became sin in that moment. He took on the wrath of God towards our sin. He was the payment that your sin and my sin demanded there on the cross. He was arrested, um, he was put on trial, he was falsely accused, he was sentenced to be executed and they, they executed him that same, that same day. And so where we left, last week Jesus was dead, right? And so here in Mark chapter 16, we're gonna pick up with that. Jesus is uh, thought to be dead, honestly, and we're gonna see the last chapter and the last few sentences that Mark gives us and what we're gonna see is the end of the story or what I would say, or is it the end of the story, all right? Is that enough of a cliffhanger for you? All right, good. Well, we're gonna pray before we read it. So I'd love to pray for all of us, and, and you just take a second, pray for yourself, ask the Lord to speak to you in this moment. Let's, let's pray together. God, we, um, we wanna hear from you this morning. We didn't come to hear from me. There's nothing that I have to say that's gonna do any good for anybody. We need to hear from you. We need to hear from the Spirit and from your word this morning. So would you illuminate this text, help us to see uh, what it means for our life, and would you help us to leave here uh, full of hope because of who you are and what you've done for us, and would that then affect how we live this afternoon and tomorrow? Would you help us to listen? We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, Mark chapter 16. We're gonna look at this in, in sections, all right? So start in verse one with me. We're gonna read just a few verses and talk about it, and then we'll come back and read some more in just a second. Mark chapter 16, verse one. says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, or Salome, I don't know how you say that, bought spices so that they could go and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us? Let's pause right there. Now, I know that you've heard the story of the resurrection of Jesus. Like, even if you were just barely connected into a church or anything like that, like, you've heard of the resurrection of Jesus. And so the challenge whenever you come to a very familiar passage of Scripture is you've got to make sure that you are, are, are reading it with fresh eyes and a fresh mind. And so what I want you to see is, is the scene and the weight and the emotion of what's taking place right here. What we just saw in those first three verses are these women who are very close to Jesus. They're close friends with him. They were at the crucifixion of Jesus. They saw it all take place. They even went and saw where Jesus was buried. And what we see as this opens is these women are convinced it's the end. It says that They went when the Sabbath was over. Sabbath took place on Saturday. Jesus was crucified on Friday, so they waited on on a Sabbath on Saturday, and then very early in the morning on Sunday, which is the three days uh, that Jesus was crucified before he rose again, they go to the tomb. And verse one says that they had a purpose in going to the tomb, and that purpose was they were going to anoint his body, anoint him. See, Jesus had been buried quickly after his crucifixion. He had been buried quickly in order to get it done before Sabbath started. And and so, like, there's no doubt that these women knew and they saw that 
Joseph and Nicodemus, they took Jesus' body, wrapped him in linen, put spices, and, and put him in a tomb. They, they saw that. They saw where he was buried. We saw that in chapter 15. You look at verses, verse 40 and 41. It says the women were watching from a distance. Among them were these women we just talked about, and they followed him and took care of him, and, and, and they came to Jerusalem. So, so they've, they've seen what's, what's taken place here. They know that, that Jesus has been buried, that he had been put in spices and different things like that. And so this idea, why would they need to go anoint him too? I think it's because they, they needed to do this in their own minds. They needed to do this. They needed to anoint Jesus um, because he was their friend, right? And I think they also needed to do it for themselves. This is a part of the grieving process that you might call closure or, or something like that. See, see, anointing a body was a sign of love. It didn't need to be done in order for Jesus to properly be buried or anything like that. They, they were going to show love to their friend. It's the same way that you might take flowers and put it on the gravestone of a friend or a loved one who's passed away. That's essentially what they're, what they're doing here. And so this is a very emotional thing. Their friend, Jesus, has just been killed in a very brutal way right in front of them. They watched the entire thing take place and then they had to just sit and wait for this whole day called the Sabbath. They couldn't do anything. And so they're just wrestling with the emotions of it. You have to imagine that just the images of what they saw just the day before were just running through their mind and having flashbacks to the, to the brutality of the cross and everything that Jesus experienced. And you, you gotta think that this all happened so quickly for them. Jesus was arrested, he was betrayed, um, and then he was rushed off to this false trial, false accusations, sentenced to be executed, and then he was put on a cross that day. Like, it all just happened so quickly. So the fact that Jesus had told them explicitly three times before this all took place that, look, I'm going to Jerusalem, they're going to kill me, but I am going to raise from the dead, that apparently was nowhere on their minds. They either forgot or just, you know, just the grief of the moment, they, they didn't remember that Jesus had said that. There were only two things on their minds, apparently, you see from this passage, that they wanted to show love and respect to their friend, they wanted to go anoint him, and they were also wondering, how are we gonna move this giant rock? That's really all that they were thinking in this moment. And so it's easy for us to see and to understand that the idea that Jesus could be alive was the furthest thing from their mind. You with me? Like, they, weren't, they weren't thinking of that. They were just thinking, he's dead, it's all over, it's the end. That's what they were thinking. And so maybe this morning, maybe you can relate to that feeling that, th that they had. Maybe you're in a spot this morning where you're just convinced, like, this is it. The, the situation that I'm facing, I see no light at the end of the tunnel. Things just look dark, and, and there's more question marks than there are answers on the horizon. Maybe you're dealing with the death of a loved one or a friend. Maybe you're dealing with some kind of difficult diagnosis that you don't know how you're going to tackle, and it just doesn't look good. Maybe you're dealing with uh, loss of some kind. Whatever it may be, maybe you're facing something that you're just going, what is going on? Is this the end? That's what these women were thinking. And then the unexpected happens. Look at verse four with me. Verse four says, looking up, they noticed that the stone, which was very large by the way, had been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he told them. I think that's funny, right? They were alarmed. He says, don't be alarmed. 
You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who is crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they put him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. So, so this, there's a shift that just happened in this story. Like Mark is a brilliant storyteller, I think. So you have these women, they're walking to the tomb. They're, they're just going to, to anoint their, their friend and deal with this grieving process and wondering how they're gonna move this rock. And so they're walking there, their heads are hanging in grief, there's tears in their eyes. And then they look up and this stone that they were so worried about has been rolled out of the way. Can you imagine what they must have been thinking? Like, can you imagine what that must have, must have felt like or what that conversation would have been like whenever they saw the stone moved away? And so in disbelief, like in shock, in disbelief, they, they stumble into the empty tomb and then it gets kind of even more strange. It says that they see, quote, a young man dressed in a white robe. We know from the other gospel accounts that this is an angel. And in fact, there's actually two of them. Mark only focuses on the one that speaks. But there's two angels in the tomb sitting on the left and on the, on the right here. And this is what he says. I want you to just look at it again. He says, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified, but he has risen. He was this, now he is alive. He's not here. See the place where they put him. But go tell his disciples and Peter He's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. Now, this is a literary technique. This is, a, this is what you might call a plot twist, right? You know what a plot twist is, right? A plot twist is something that's used in a book or a movie, something like that, that introduces just a radical shift in the direction of the storyline or the expectations that you might have on what's taking place here. The famous ones are I See Dead People and Luke, I Am Your Father, right? Those are the famous plot twists. And here in this story, man, when, when they walk in and they see this empty tomb where Jesus is supposed to be laying, and now that instead they see this angel sitting there, the whole story shifts. This is, this is a plot twist that takes place. They came with one purpose, which is to grieve and to anoint their, their friend's body, and they leave with a completely different purpose. The angel gives them gives them purpose here in the midst of their grief. What is that purpose? We see two action phrases or two commands that are given here in this moment. The first one is see. Like see for yourself that Jesus isn't here. See for yourself that this whole thing has been true. I've heard it said uh, before that the stone wasn't rolled away so that Jesus could get out of the tomb. The stone was rolled away so that you and I could get in and see. Right? Jesus didn't need, he could have walked through the, the rock if he wanted to. The stone is moved so that we can come in and see that he's not here. He has risen. He's alive. And then the angel says, he's in Galilee just as he told you he would be. See, I guess they forgot, but in Mark chapter 14, verse 28, Jesus told them, after I have risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. He had told them, and that's what the angel is saying. So do you think in this moment for these women, like all this has taken place, do you think there was anything inside of them where it just all began to click for them? Like, is there something in their minds that go, wait, maybe it's not the end. Like maybe this whole thing has been true. Listen, the reality is, is, is that the, rea the resurrection of Jesus is a game changer. 
it, it completely flips hopelessness on its head. They, they walk to this tomb completely hopeless, in grief and, and different things, and, and they leave with all new purpose. Here's what I would say. The radical claim of the resurrection is that the end is not the end. The end is not the end. The good news of the gospel message is that Jesus Christ came to this earth lived a perfect life that we couldn't live and went to a cross and was, was the perfect sacrifice that your sin and my sin demanded. Sin demands death. That's what scripture tells us. It demands blood, it demands a sacrifice. And so Jesus goes to a cross and he did that for you and for me. He was dead. Joseph and Nicodemus knew it. They wrapped him up, put spices on him, placed him in a tomb. The tomb was sealed with a Roman seal on it. He was dead, but three days later, he walked out of the grave fully alive. And when he does that, when he walks out of the tomb alive, he defeated death in that moment. Your greatest enemy on this earth as a human being is death, isn't it? It's the one thing that you can't avoid. It's the one thing that you can't beat on your own, no matter how much money you have, no matter, like you can't beat death. It's our greatest enemy. But in this moment, when Jesus walks out of the tomb alive, man, he defeats your greatest enemy, which is sin and death forever. He crushed them this, in this moment. If Jesus had not risen from the dead, like if, if Mark just ended at the end of chapter uh, 15, then you and I would have no reason to even be here today. You understand that, right? It's all contingent upon the fact that this is true. Paul says it this way, 1 Corinthians 15, 17, if Christ has not been risen, then your faith is worthless because you're still in your sins. But because he did raise from the dead, whenever you make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, then death can't touch you. His life becomes your life. This is good news. This is, this is hope for us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 54, he's talking about one day. Like there's a day that your earthly body is going to die. Either you're gonna die and be put into a grave and we're gonna have a service for you or Jesus is gonna come back and we're gonna be resurrected with him. But one day, the body that you're in right now is going to go away. Paul says it this way in verse 54 of chapter 15. He says, when this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility, right? So this sinful body is gonna be clothed with, with, with righteousness and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, meaning this, this body that dies is gonna be clothed with a body that doesn't die, then the saying will take place, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? See, the truth is, every single one of us are gonna, we will die. But Jesus' resurrection here ensures that you're going to live on past that death. Death can't touch you if you're a follower of his. Death itself is not the end. Christ's resurrection brings you a living hope. First Peter 1.3, listen to this. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, this is the truth that you, that you hold on to. First Peter 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, you and I, can experience new birth and a living hope. And so just hear me, like if, if death can't touch you, our greatest enemy, 
then nothing can touch you. Like whatever you face here on this earth, whether it is a diagnosis that you don't know how to get around, whether it's pain, whether it's loss, whether anxiety, depression, loneliness, doubt, whatever it may be that you face here on this earth, listen, Christ's resurrection brings you living hope. It's a game changer. And so the invitation is to come in and see the fact that Jesus is risen, that he defeated death. And scripture says, if you place your trust and your faith in him and declare him your Lord and Savior, man, that truth is your truth. His life becomes your life as well. You're born again into him. And so if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, that's my my, uh, invitation to you. That's my, I want to urge you, I want to beg you, give your life to Jesus, trust him, and leave here with this living hope that Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 1. So the angel, he gives, he gives this twofold purpose to, to these women here in this empty tomb. He says, come and see, like see that it's all been true. And then once you see that it is true, the next thing he says is go and tell. Go and tell. And that is the, that's the primary objective that's given to all Christ followers following the death and resurrection of Jesus. Like something happens here in this resurrection where, where we have new purpose that we are supposed to go and tell. Like, do you remember all throughout Jesus's ministry, he would do something amazing and cool and he would heal somebody and then he would say, hey, don't go tell anybody. And they would always go tell somebody, <laughs> you remember? Well, now post-resurrection, man, everything changes completely. Now the angel is saying, he told you this would happen. Now go tell everybody you know and start with Peter which I think is beautiful because if you know Peter's story, you know that Peter just denied Jesus three times. He's the best friend of Jesus. He denied even knowing Jesus three times. He feels horrible about himself and here in the empty tomb, that redemption starts to take place and take hold. Jesus had in his mind and in his heart the story and the redemption of Peter. If you read the other gospel accounts, you're gonna see that Jesus goes and finds Peter on a beach and makes him breakfast and begins to redeem him. And Peter goes on to start the first church. He's the first church planner. He preaches, 3,000 people come to know Jesus on that first day in Acts, and it's a crazy thing that the Lord did with him. But here in this empty tomb, you see redemption start to take place through the example of Peter. And Jesus's final words that he says right before he ascends into heaven sound a whole lot like this, this angel in this empty tomb. Jesus says before he ascends, he says, you're my followers, go and tell somebody. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you and remember that I'm with you even to the very ends of the age. It's the great commission. Go and tell. Once you've seen, you gotta go and tell. Do you see how the resurrection changes everything? That the end is not the end. So then, I want you to see how Mark ends his story. Look at, look at verse eight with me. They, the women, went out and ran from the tomb because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them. And they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. Period, end of book. Now, that's a weird way to end a story, isn't it? That feels unfinished. 
it feels like there ought to be more there, which apparently somebody else thought the same thing. And so later, somebody else has added what you have nine through 20 there, but, but you probably have a note in your Bible that says that the earliest manuscripts conclude with verse eight, right? Your Bible say that? That is because somebody came along years later and tried to add a better ending because people are like, there's no way that it can end that way. We don't even see Jesus. We don't see him again. Like, how, how can you end the story that way? But I think it's actually the perfect ending to Mark's book. To end at verse eight and just say that they said that they were afraid. It's this cliffhanger type of thing, right? You're left going, there's gotta be more to it. And you gotta remember, Mark told us his purpose in, in writing this book in Mark chapter one, verse one. He says, this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the son of God. This is just the beginning of the story is what Mark is trying to tell us. This is just the, the beginning, but the way that he ends with these women who are afraid and keeping quiet, it makes you ask, is that it? And the answer is, of course that's not it. Of course it's not. This is just the beginning of the story. The end is not the end. Obviously, they go and tell, right? We wouldn't be sitting here if they didn't go tell. Obviously, they go and tell, and the good news of Jesus spreads like wildfire. The church is born, and here we sit some 2,000 years later with the same purpose, the same mission that that angel told these women in that empty tomb. See for yourself that he is risen, and then go and tell somebody. This is not an abrupt ending, it's an invitation into the story. It's a brilliant way to end the story by Mark. He's inviting us in. So instead of us asking, how are they gonna respond? We're meant to look at our own lives and ask, how will I respond? Because there is a world that needs to know that because of the resurrection of Jesus, the end is not the end. They need to know that in Jesus, there's always hope. And maybe you need to hear that this morning too. Maybe... Maybe you're facing something extremely difficult and you need to hear that in Jesus, you have a living hope. That maybe you're facing loss and it's difficult and you can't see through it, but there's hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. Maybe you're facing that diagnosis or the death or, or loneliness or just difficulties in life. Man, the end is not the end. There's hope in Jesus, no matter what you're facing. There's one more example of, of something difficult that may cause you to ask, is this the end uh, that is particularly relevant this morning? And that is whenever you're facing a change of leadership. You wanna talk about it? <laughs> it's kind of the elephant in the room this morning, isn't it? If you're new with us, you're like, what in the world are you talking about? So this week, um, Pastor Josh, our lead pastor, of second, he announced that he's going to be resigning today, actually. He's going to a church, um, First Baptist Church of Louisville, Texas. He's going to be the, the new lead pastor there. And, and look, I'm excited for him. I think it's a great fit for him. He, he loves the DFW area. Uh, he's my friend. He's going to continue to be my friend. I'm, I'm excited for him. But I'm also excited for us. All right. I know that whenever leadership happens, like leadership changes are a part of life. And sometimes when a leadership change happens, people begin to ask like, is this it? Like, is this the end? What happens, what happens now? Here's what I wanna say very clearly. No matter who the pastor is, Christ is the head of his church, all right? Christ is the head of his church. And so what are we gonna do? 
well, we're gonna keep doing the same thing that Second Baptist has done for the last 100 years. And that's we're gonna preach the gospel, we're gonna make disciples, we're gonna impact our community and our world with the good news. We're gonna keep loving people, we're gonna keep serving, we're gonna keep giving, we're gonna keep baptizing people, we're gonna keep doing what it is that we do here. The Lord is using Second Baptist right now in a phenomenal way. And that's not gonna stop. We're gonna keep moving forward together. I do wanna say that anytime there's a, a leadership change that takes place, it is an important thing for, for you to, to take one more step uh, towards commitment and towards unity. So whatever that looks like for you, whatever you can do to take one more step to help us stay unified and to help us stay uh, committed to the mission in front of us, I wanna encourage you, take that step. But one of the big questions I've gotten ever since the announcement went out is, what does this mean for us here in Greenbrier? What does this mean for us? And the way that I would answer that is we're gonna keep moving forward. I have a, I have a meeting today that's uh, at four o'clock with um, what we call our lead team. I called this meeting Friday whenever the news went out and reached out to them. The, the lead team is the three deacon officers of our church, uh, the two personnel team officers and the two finance team officers, and then me. And so we're gonna get together and we're gonna talk about what are the next steps? What do we need to be doing as a church, but I know for a fact that we're gonna keep moving forward. People ask, what does this mean for the Greenbrier campus? Look, nobody probably cares more about what's taking place here than I do, and so I'm gonna make sure that we keep moving forward, and I hope that you know our church fully supports what's taking place here, that we have new families coming all the time. There's several new families here this morning going, what in the world is happening, right? But, but the Lord is using this. Just two weeks ago, our church unanimously voted to approve 18 acres of land, a purchase of 18 acres of land in this Greenbrier community because we're fired up. We believe in what the Lord is doing here, right? So keep that in mind. The end is not the end. We're not going anywhere. In fact, we're putting down roots here in this, in this community. So if you've wondered, like, what's happening? Or is there, are we gonna shut the doors here in Greenbrier? The answer is no. Uh, not if I have anything to say about it. We're definitely not gonna do anything like that. The application of this text, I think, applies to this situation. We have a job to do, so go and tell, right? That's our job, that's our purpose, that we are to see for ourselves that Christ is risen, have that drastically impact our lives and the way that we go about our day to day, and then go and tell somebody about it. There's a living hope that's available through Jesus Christ. That's the good news that we're gonna take into this community, into this world. The world needs to know that because of the resurrection of Jesus, the end is not the end. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.